like you know like way back in the 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 club age the caveman age that thought just popped in me and instinctively you just do what you think instead of instead of a space between it you know like the club is here I'm gonna kill the thing you know so (laughs) so that that really throws our brains into fight or flight I think that's imperative to know yes oh yeah 100% that's such a great point to bring up that I would say 100% of the time (laughs) when we're having these intense you know, yes, need to club somebody over the head, <laughs> kind of <laughs> desires to eat cortisol. That stress hormone is definitely involved causing that fight, flight, freeze, or feign response. We can just keep adding F words on the end of it. Um, there's, there's a joke in there somewhere. You're inside the Mom Stuff Coffee Shop, a podcast dedicated to helping you. Get back up again, turning your pain into power, turning your trauma into triumph. I am your host, KK Smith, and I find joy in helping you get back up again. This podcast holds a space for you to grow, heal, and connect like you never have before. So grab your coffee and step inside the Mom Stuff Coffee Shop. Thank you all for joining me today. We have an exciting, meaningful show today. You're going to learn a lot about emotional eating and how you could finally heal from emotional eating. So today we are joined by Cassie Christopher. She is a registered dietitian. She is also a certified dietitian, and she also has her graduate degree. Her story is anchored in the fact that She went from using food to deal with stress, extreme panic attacks, and anxiety, and an all or nothing thinking about food and shame about her body, to really realizing that she can escape this mindset and helping people to overcome, especially women, emotional eating. So Cassie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to connect with you today. So could you tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do, first of all? Sure, yes. Uh, As you mentioned, I'm a registered dietitian. I'm an emotional eating expert, and I help women 45 and up learn to trust themselves around food so that they can feel confident in their bodies, confident in their lives, and turn that mental energy that they were previously devoting to thinking about food, avoiding food, thinking about their bodies, not liking their bodies, to actually thinking about things that bring them life and and joy and pleasure and and really just to uh, decrease that anxiety around food or eliminate it if possible. Mm. So what is an emotional eater? Yeah, so someone who's struggling with emotional eating, number one, they may not actually realize it. And I think that's the majority of people out there. Usually people who are struggling with emotional eating think that they have a willpower problem, a self-control problem, that they, you know, what's wrong with them? They're so capable in other areas of life, but why can't they avoid, you know, the fast food line or the pantry or whatever it may be? Uh, And what they're using food for, and and I kind of see two different aspects that they're aware of. One is a woman said to me once, food is better than Xanax. And I think that's a really good description uh, of how food can be comforting. 
And the other thing someone said to me recently is food helps them zone out. And so if you're someone who eats to just get away from your problems and you know, some people call it trance eating where you're not aware of how you're feeling. So you're, you're like, well, it's not emotional eating because I'm not really feeling anything. Um, those are two ways it can manifest. But what the food is doing for you overall is it is allowing you to numb or escape your discomfort from difficult emotion and even, you know, positive emotion. We can respond with eating that way as well. Uh, food also is, can be a problem when it becomes a primary source of pleasure. So a lot of women will spend their days caring for other people and, you know, thinking about others. And then the end of the day comes and their self-care is eating. So I see emotional eating being food fulfilling those two roles of pleasure and, uh, and, and numb and escape. Mm. So how do you stop emotional eating? <laughs> how do you get a, a, a hold of, first of all, the emotion that causes you, whether it's pleasure or pain, mm-hmm. to go into a state of emotional eating? Is it primarily awareness? Yeah, such a great question. And I've got a, a four uh, pillar framework to help people understand how to develop that self-trust to actually heal emotional eating. Um, but to answer your question, you know, without going deep into those four pillars, which we can certainly do, but at a higher level, uh, in order to heal emotional eating, you have to feel the feeling. Because when you eat to numb it, uh, which is what most people are doing, um, then you are kind of interrupting the normal pattern of emotions. You have an emotion, you feel it, and feeling is healing, right? The old adage, the only way out is through. You feel it and it dissipates and it goes away. Uh, For the best example of this is during the pandemic, I've gotten into stand-up comedy. Like, I love to watch it. If there was a class near me that I could go to in person <laughs> that taught you stand-up comedy, I would be the first person in line because it's like now on my bucket list. This is something I want to do. I know everyone's out there like, what kind of weirdo is this? I can't help it. Uh, so I'm in a stand-up comedy. And one of the things I notice is you watch a good uh, set where you really enjoy the person. You like their jokes. You're kind of vibing with them. And you laugh, you laugh, you laugh, you know, the, the, the set turns off or Netflix is over and you're, you're still laughing a little bit. Maybe you tell someone else the joke. Like I'm always doing that to my husband, like honey. And then I tell him the joke and it's never as funny because he wasn't there, you know? Um, and then like 10 minutes later, it's like, it never happened. Right. (laughs) The, the kind of good feeling that you get, the laughter, the, the jovialness, Um, goes away. Your attention goes elsewhere. You felt it. The feeling is done. And now you move on. And that's how feelings are meant to be felt. You're meant to feel them and move through them. And eventually they dissipate. And a a lot of these harder feelings, especially when we're not used to holding space for them in our lives, will take longer than 10 minutes to just go away. Um, And and that's the unfortunate truth. Uh, But being able to sit with the discomfort of something like sadness or loneliness or anger, right? That is what allows us to feel the feeling, really check in with ourselves and what we need and care for ourselves in that moment so that we don't need to use food to numb the discomfort. 
I love what you said about holding space because one thing I've learned along my journey of self-awareness is that spiritual development is that sometimes we put the thing is in our life, whatever it is, that could be pleasure or pain, but there is no room around it. It's sort of like it's, it's that's, that's all there is. There's a period there. There's no comma. That's all there is. And especially with, I think, negative emotions, some of us tend to go into, okay, this is all there is at this moment, this thought, this thing that's that's running my attention, this thing that's grabbing my attention. And I love the fact that I've been studying putting space around things in our lives. So can you explain to our listeners what that really means, holding space for the emotion so that they can get to the other side, so that we can get to the other side? Yes. Oh, I just, I love that. I love that. And you know, um, I'll talk about it in a moment. I'm making a couple quick notes over here because <laughs> there's so much good stuff there. Um, I even have, and I'll recommend to everyone a, a video they can do on YouTube that is actually a guided visualization of creating space around your feelings. But, but first, I think the, the first thing that, um, so first of all, I'll say I use mindfulness-based self-compassion as developed by Dr. Kristen Neff, and she has a lot of great scientific research around self-compassion and what it can do for us as a framework. And the first thing to know as we're talking about feelings and people are like, hey, aren't you a dietitian? Like, don't you talk about food? <laughs> What's going on here? Is uh, that this mindfulness-based uh, self-compassion is a, uh, a therapeutic tool. You know, it can be therapeutic, but it isn't therapy. And so, you know, these if these strategies that I'm sharing don't work for you, um, you may need to go back and do potentially some therapy. Um, the other thing to note is I know that your podcast addresses past traumas, which I so love because we need to be talking about this more. And trauma can actually go for it. And let me say this real quick. Let me put this in here. I'm not a therapist. <laughs> yes. I, I'm a life coach, life and business coach, but I am not a therapist and I developed this this podcast because I found myself when I was very little, very small, um, trapped in trauma. Um, either it was from my mom's side or my father's side, and either it was out of love or it was out of pain that they transferred that trauma to me. So I developed this platform to help people on any level with getting out of trauma. So I just want to tell our listeners in case they just started listening to me. I'm not a therapist, but I bring on experts such as Cassie and to help us evolve, awaken, and unleash. Go ahead. I love that. Yeah, we need to be talking about this because uh, trauma actually can impact your relationship with food today. And, you know, KK and I were talking just before we started recording, like, wow, I bet this pandemic, she said something like, I bet this pandemic is um, causing a lot of eating disorders. And I said, yes, that is proven already this early on. There are studies proving that. And and really, especially if you've had some childhood, childhood trauma that can create, um, it, that can impact 
whether or not it feels safe to feel your emotions. So a lot of what you're doing with self-compassion is creating safety um, because safety, you know, coming back to that original question, uh, makes it so that we can create space around our feelings. Because if you don't feel safe, I think that's when we get neurotic and we're thinking, and this is, you know, this bad thing that's happening, this bad thing we're feeling is the only thing we can think about. But when we feel safe to just sit and hold and feel, um, it, it creates the room around it. And I think that's so important because sometimes no one has held that space for you in your life, uh, whether it is a spouse, whether it is a coworker, whether it is a um, mom or dad, if you're a teenager listening to this, um, sometimes life is so authoritative and there is no space just to be, just to feel those feelings and feel that. And you, you wonder, you say, okay, where can I escape? And then you escape to the thing. The thing might be food, the thing might be sex, the thing might be uh, alcohol, weed, drug, whatever the thing is. And so that's so important. I wanted to highlight that holding the space around it. It is not the only thing. The feeling that you feel is not the only thing that there is. Yeah, even if it feels really big. And, and here's the truth of the matter. Um, you know, if you have this history of trauma or if you have been struggling for a while, you may uh, have some emotional dysregulation so that that feeling and that that's kind of the clinical term, meaning your emotions are a little haywire. That feeling may feel bigger than life. Um, but, you know, the, the reality is feelings uh, it, it can't kind of drag you under. Um, you can get support and help if, if that's the case. And what I like about what you're talking about in, in creating space, for me, I go to two places, and, and this is um, my interpretation of the work around self-compassion, which is first acceptance and second kindness, self-kindness in particular. So first acceptance, meaning you are experiencing um, something uncomfortable, and usually we don't want to experience it. I can think back on the times that I have had a strong urge to eat or even emotionally ate in the last year because yes, even after you're, you are healed from emotional eating, that may come up for you from time to time. And now it's a check engine light to help you know there's something more going on. And what usually is going on for me is I do not want to accept how I'm feeling. I'm mad at someone, I don't wanna be mad at them. I'm feeling a little depressed. I don't have time to be depressed. <laughs> um, you know, I do not want to feel that way. And so I just don't. And then that then creates more issues because I need to numb that feeling because I'm unwilling to feel it. Another word for acceptance might be permission, might be allow. My, uh, there's a, a, a great exercise in the book Embody by Connie, of course, I can't remember her last name, uh, but I think you have enough details to, to type into Google. And she gives this great permission, uh, it's an exercise called, I give myself permission to, and you essentially start off by relaxing and getting comfortable and then just free write. I give myself permission to, da 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 you know, whatever it is. And if you can't give yourself permission to do something, 
I want to give myself permission to, you know, to feel mad at so-and-so. That's how I struggle with being mad at people because I just want to love them. I want us all to be friends, <laughs> but people make us angry and that's okay, right? It, all of these feelings are okay. They are all valid. Um, maybe we, maybe we aren't going to choose to act out of them, but, but by feeling them and letting them dissipate, it is so much better than just bottling it up. Uh, because then we act out of it, you know, without wanting to. So first accepting and then being kind to ourselves to create that space. Um, you know, we talked about safety briefly and a big problem for emotional eaters is often self-criticism. And this can be for women in general, but self-criticism is where you are mean to yourself. You beat yourself up for eating, or you know, a perceived failure for not being perfect. Usually we're holding ourselves to unrealistically high standards. And so self-kindness creates a place where it's actually safe to feel the feeling. Because if you're beating yourself up, it's not safe. And that's actually beating yourself up. And uh, there's a cycle in emotional eating where you're mean to yourself, and then you need to eat to numb the discomfort that you've created by being mean to yourself. Um, so it's really uh, a negative cycle there. And the one tool that I can recommend to your audience for those who are struggling with this and they want a way to create space around their feelings is called Soften, Soothe, Allow. You can go to YouTube, you can type it in, and there are several different practitioners um, who are doing this exercise. It's one I personally use. Um, frequently, my clients all use it frequently and really enjoy it. And it's essentially a, a visualization where, uh, developed by Dr. Kristen Neff and, and her colleague, where you close your eyes and you find, you scan your body for where you're feeling the feeling. And then you visualize that feeling in your mind, in you, you know, maybe as a ball of light or something. And you just try to soften the edges, soften the edges of it. Um, and then you're soothing yourself. You're saying kind things to yourself while you're doing that. And that part for those of us, especially who are mean to ourselves, feel really weird and woo woo. Okay. <laughs> but it's important. It is so important. And then lastly, allow, this is the acceptance. This is the holding space. You're allowing this difficult feeling to be there. And I'll tell you, usually how I do this is I start off by journaling about what I'm upset about. I figure out why I'm feeling what I'm feeling because most of the time when I get to a place where I'm, you know, maybe at risk of emotionally eating. And when I say emotionally eating in this way, I just mean feeling out of control with food or having these wild, strong, primitive impulses that I know are not just like, oh, I'm a little hungry, right? Like, uh -huh. I think many of us know what it feels like to be like possessed by, you know, the, <laughs> the, the god of hunger or whatever. Um, or, or the thing that you're upset about when you said, um, the wild, primitive, I thought about pro-magnet behavior, like, you know, like way back in the, the, the club age, the caveman age, that thought just popped in me and instinctively you just do what you think instead of, instead of a space between it, you know, yes. like the club is here, I'm going to kill the thing, you yes. know, so, yes. <laughs> so that, that really throws our brains into fight or flight. I think totally. that's imperative to know. Yes. Oh. Hundred percent. That's such a great point to bring up. That I would say a hundred percent of the time, <laughs> when we're having these intense, 
you know, yes, need to club somebody over the head, <laughs> kind of <laughs> desires to eat. Cortisol, that stress hormone is definitely involved causing that fight, flight, freeze, or feign response. We can just keep adding F words on the end of it. Um, there's, there's a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> I can take a stand up. It yeah. <laughs> and so, so when you're doing that soft and soothe allow, like I say, you start with journaling. For me, I'll start with journaling and I'll get to a place where I, I know what I'm upset about. I know what is happening with the feelings. Cause oftentimes when I'm feeling that primal drive to eat, I don't really know why. I call it being in a funk. I'll be like, something is wrong. I'm in a funk. I don't know what it is. And then if I let myself stay there, that's when I'm more likely to eat in a way that is outside of my values. Whereas um, when I am uh, connected and understanding how I'm feeling, then I can do something about it. It's that self-awareness like you talked about. That um, is so true. That is so good too, because a lot of times I think this is the key to addictions. I think mm -hmm. this is the key to forgiveness. I think this is the key to a lot of things. We need to just be aware and then put some space, you know, lock yourself in with the thing, the feeling. You have to put some space around it and figure out what is this? Because a lot of behaviors are actually not what you're mad about it's not the thing so you know if if you're driving down the street and you have a bit of road rage you might not even be mad about that particular sure. thing that this person just cut you off real quick it might have been something an hour ago with your husband or your boss or mm -hmm. so we really have to stop and really put some space I just love that. I just absolutely love that around the thing. Yes. And it works. And when you can do that, then you don't end up eating uh, yes. because you've dealt with your feelings. You know what's going on. You know maybe that you need comfort and you can go seek that care in another way. I can give an example of this. Last night, I was feeling, I just kept going, oh, we got that bottle of wine over there. I think I want to have a glass of wine. There's nothing wrong with a glass of wine, but I know for me personally that a glass of wine at night may mess up my sleep. About 75 to 95% of the time it messes up my sleep. Why I'm using the word may, it's because I'm in denial. So I go, okay, that glass of wine, I think I might just have it. It's okay. It's not an off-limit food, right? Like we do start to do this, these mental gymnastics. And I tried some of it and it was, it was old. It'd been sitting on the counter with a cork in it for a couple of days. And I take a drink and I'm like, this doesn't taste good. I gave it to my husband. He has a less discerning palate. I'm like, what do you think? And you know, I didn't even stay for the response. I had someone else in the other room, but I'm going, should I still drink it? Even though I don't really like it. And that's when I'm like, whoa. If you're thinking that you might still drink this glass of wine, even though you know you won't really enjoy it, something else is really going on here. Yeah. Um, that, that was the key to me. Like, I don't actually want to enjoy a glass of wine. I want to escape numb um, and not have to feel. So then I went and I did some work. I played the piano. I sang some songs. I cried. <laughs> You know, I journaled for a little bit and then uh, after a while I, I felt better. I didn't even have to do soft and soothe allow. It was just 
feeling the feelings of what's been a difficult time. And that led to me going, yeah, I don't need that glass of wine, which I'm not even going to like the taste of because it's like old. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's so important to really stop and think about why are we about to do this thing that we're about to do? And, and you were talking, I was thinking about my husband and I, we went shopping after our workout today and he wanted a hot dog. And I really did not want a hot dog. I just wanted the ice cream at Sam's Club. I just wanted the very Sunday. And I bought my hot dog anyway. And so when I got home, I looked at him like, I really don't want this. Why did I buy this? You know, and sometimes it is so important that we all understand that sometimes we make choices based on environments. Mm -hmm. uh, is it the person that we're with? It could go a positive way or it could go a negative way. Um, is it the emotion that we're feeling when we're around this person? You know, um, is it just for convenience? And a lot of times I could have added, and this is a big hot dog with bread and, you know, everything. I could have added a thousand calories to my day just because I was in a space of doing what this person next to me who happened to be my husband was doing you know <laughs> you know what I'm, you know and, and this guy is buffed and and he's fit and and you know I know he's gonna work it off but with me you know being a woman it could be anywhere on my body <laughs> even despite me working out so you know I think that is a great example to realize that sometimes it's environment um you're out with a group of friends you know, they want to eat all this stuff. And you're like, I'm not eating that this week. But you go into that emotional eating. I'm feeling good. And I love what you said in the beginning. It could go either way. It could go into pleasure or pain. I love that. And I think that's an aha moment for our listeners and for me to understand just because when we hear emotional eating, sometimes we hear, oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I'm that. That's not true. It can go the opposite way. Yeah, <laughs> it can definitely sure. go the opposite way. So thank you for all those amazing insights. So friends, I hope today's episode was food for your soul and fuel for your life. You can go to anywhere you're listening to this podcast and find out more on our guests. Please rate, share, subscribe to this podcast on any platform. I am your host, K.K. Smith. And remember, you can always celebrate wins and get back up again inside the Mom Stuff Coffee Shop.